From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. George Bamford is the founder of Bamford Watch Department. Think of BWD as the AMG to Mercedes or Pininfarina to Ferrari. George was always a tinkerer, breaking mechanical things down to their core components and then trying to reassemble them was his calling. And in an age of mass production, he created BWD to rediscover that lost art of personalization. And the world has caught on. Bamford Watch Department has become a sensation in the luxury world with an extensive array of limited edition designs and high profile collaborations. And the amazing moment came when he converted his customization business into becoming an official partner of Zenith Watches, a division of the LVMH Group and parent company of Tag Heuer and Bulgari. That's the equivalent of a sneaker customizer having his label officially sanctioned by Nike. So let's see how George managed to pull off this amazing feat. I'm George Bamford um, from Bamford Watch Department. I personalize and customize watches. Okay. If, uh, if someone were to ask, like, if you are a tinkerer, would you say that's, that's your nature? Are you, like, a, a, a guy who likes to just, like... I, I'm a guy that if someone... I always ask, why can't I? More than than uh, uh, more than actually, you can't do it. I'm like, I can't. I want to do it. So I, I like stripping things down. I like putting things back together. As a kid, I used to take TVs to bits, juices, anything like that, uh-huh. and rebuild it. So my parents like, I I used to always get up at four o'clock in the morning, go downstairs, and take something to bits and put it back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and now. Uh, on the weekends, I take engines to bits and put them back together because my mind just goes, I want to... I, See I how just, something works. Yeah, I love how things work. I'm, I'm also... Um, I slightly say I'm a magpie, but probably in your your world, yeah. I should say a pigeon. But, uh, <laughs> but what, what I would say to you is I love looking at things that are different colours, different designs... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a mass collector of different vintage watches, and for me, that's one of my um, one of my wheelhouses of kind of bringing some of the designs back, some of the colorways. Yeah, um, and that's well, kind of my. When you were young, though, did your parents hate that you kept doing that? Oh my god, yeah! It, it literally um, to the point that I think. I think they put a lock on the outside of my door just in case. Um, and and I used to set up traps in my room, like most kids would, but you set up all these elaborate traps that something would go off here and this uh-huh. would do this. And, and you know, my, my parents was, every time would, wouldn't dare come in my room because it was like string going from <laughs> this traps. to this. And, and, and I was, I, I'm probably, I, I'm same today. I'm, I'm quite active uh-huh. so we have a, a family motto um so from my family it's called jamais content mm-hmm. um and it is never content mm-hmm. so for me that's the kind of the thing that kind of keeps on pushing me and go hey never stop never stop never right. stop and i think that's what's kind of generated yeah. that kind of energy inside me so in the beginning you were just taking apart anything like toys Toasters, juicers, Any, anything. I mean, I, like I think I, I think Lego was my friend because I used to build stuff in Lego and yeah. and people, you know, and so I'd build a, you know, I I was ill a few few weeks ago and and I built the Simpsons house and the and about four or five different Lego kits because I was just like because I was kind of bored and I, I was like I have to build I have to do something <laughs> so I you kinda, just built some Lego sets. Just recently, as yeah. a grown adult, yeah, of course. <laughs> I was just say like, I have to. I had to. I'm in the Simpsons house. I was like, I have to do it. I was like, I was on Amazon. And I was like, I've got to get that, and I, I, I got it. I was like, boom. And I was like, and I, and I, you know, an hour and a half, and I'd done it. And I was uh-huh. like, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And my kids now play with it, and, right. and I, I think they've just destroyed part of it. <laughs> so it's kind of like you know, yeah. I, I think for me is is. I think it's I think we're the same in that way of like why can't we do it mm-hmm. you know how can we do it you know let's find a point A to point B but it's also that that w- lust of kind of getting information yeah um, I'm 
strangely, well not strangely, I'm highly dyslexic. So my reading and writing is not great. Mm -hmm. So I learned from TV Mm -hmm. as we were kind of the TV generation. But then also I learned from um, doing. Yeah. So that's kind of like... Experimentation, right. And that's why I think, you know, things that give me information, Mm -hmm. you know, the internet's been really amazing because things like Hypebeast... I'm now getting information yeah. on a on a different basis, yeah. and that's for me the great thing is that yes, it's feeding an addiction of kind of great trainers and things like that, but <laughs> it's but it's also feeding the addiction of the eyes and mm-hmm. giving me the information that I couldn't get yeah. unless I'd spent years at a library, and my dyslexia wouldn't let that right. And and learning about not only the product but the cultural aspect yeah. that goes into that product. I, that's what yeah. you know. It's kind of like, how is that made? What's happened? What? Why is this? What's the backstory? Yeah. What's you know? And even things that you just go, why do I need that? Mm-hmm. And it's not about purchasing. It's not no. about for me. You know, when I look at everything that's around us, it's about the absorption of like going, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's like a strange thing for me. I've just started really loving churches so mm-hmm. I've been going to churches because I love the design I love the colours I love the whole thing <laughs> how about uh, the religious the religious yeah no I am I, I, I am I am religion religious but it's not that uh-huh. for me it's about that space it's, yeah. a, it's like there's amazing places in Japan and this mm-hmm. is why when I went to Japan some of the temples made me realise about that it, that beautiful space that you can breathe and yeah. you can you can absorb in a, and I think that's kind of in every way, mm-hmm. we absorb these wonderfulness, and, yeah, yeah. and and everything that we see is something new. Uh huh. Right. Do you remember the first uh, time you tinkered with a watch? Nineteen ninety four, I think it was. Okay. What um, was the watch? It was a Breitling Navitimer, uh-huh. and my parents gave it to me because I'd probably destroyed most of their house by uh, <laughs> taking everything to bits um, and my parents gave it to me for Christmas mm-hmm. um, and, and the first the... thing you thought is I'm taking this apart I got a pen knife and I took it to bits uh, with a knife a pen knife a pen knife and a, and, a, and a glasses screwdriver okay and you just wanted to see how this thing I ticked. wanted to know how it worked uh-huh. I wanted to break it down to understand how it worked and with the intention of being able to put it back together yeah did you? Yes. No, you can't but, put a... No, but it took me a hell of a lot longer than I thought it was going to do. And did it work 100%? The chronograph function didn't work uh-huh. 100%. Um, so it went back to Breitling. Um, and... But that's impressive that with a pen knife and a sunglasses screwdriver, you were able to get that back together to a... Yeah, but... Ticking. But ticking. That's but, awesome. but, 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 I mean, like, its timing was off, it's, yeah. this was off, this was... So it wasn't like that kind of like, oh my God, this is... Mm-hmm. This is... Uh... And then, for me, that was the... The catalyst of why not? Yeah. Why can't you? And the stripping of that watch, you know, I broke the glass on it twice. I, it came back from Brightening, and I, 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 I took it again to bits. <laughs> got better, better stuff. I, I got downstairs my original toolkit uh-huh. that I used to, that I, I had made, yeah. and it was like, like literally the cut out bit of leather that has a tool. And it sits downstairs, and it's it's that's one dope. of those things that's just like, and the the, the tools are crap. Uh-huh. They really are crap. Yeah, the yeah. first tools I had were were just whatever Not I could find, right. you know. But it, at least I kind of went, okay, I understand, I understand. And that for me was the Navitimer was my baby that made me feel like this was the the. Um, and then I lived in New York, mm-hmm. and so I became a flea market person. I kept on going to flea markets and trading. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, I've got a Speedmaster. Yeah. Would you trade it for a Monaco? Mm-hmm. I've got a Monaco. Would you trade it? So I started learning yeah. how each of the designs was, the chronograph functions. So I started on a progression of learning. Yeah. By and collecting. By collecting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was also not by collect. It was by just absorbing because the internet was there, but it wasn't. It wasn't this thing that became the resource of from mm-hmm. Pudinki to all. Yeah, the, yeah, you know, that- I hadn't got that absorption right. that made me go oh my god I want this so in those flea market visits you were learning because of the people that you had to make yeah. these negotiations with yeah and understand but also like things like you know oh my god they made a bullhead and mm-hmm. I was like what the fuck is a bull? sorry <laughs> what the hell is a bullhead and it was like okay well that was that was a 
a watch that was the wrong way around with chronograph at the top, uh-huh. and and it looks like a bull. Uh-huh. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> and and then I was like, I really love that. And yeah. who does it? Oh, Omega did one, Breitling did one, and then boom, 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 boom. And right. this, these are the dials from these guys, and there's a great brown one, a great blue one, and mm-hmm. and so I started on this little progression of kind of like, you know, it's when you go and find great sneakers. Yes. And you go down this rabbit warren of kind of finding uh-huh. something that no one else, you know, and it's kind of like little geeky geeky from, yeah. from like even the laces, uh, you know, such and such laces and such. And you're like going, why the hell am I going down this? But you love the path that you're totally. going down. Or like when you start getting obsessed with like the inside label of a sneaker and what yeah. does this code mean? Like, yeah. And it does mean something, but you want to know what all the digits mean, right? And you're kind of going, why? What? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I understand that. Do you know the Japanese term otaku? No. Otaku is like, that's the word. It's the one word that is like, usually, like it's a man that it just becomes like unexplainably obsessed with a certain thing. And in Japan, it's usually with manga. So it's oh, the otaku that yeah. goes down the comic rabbit hole. But like it could, now it's like used for sneaker or watch, otaku. whatever. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. That, that. It's, but it's, it's just so you know, it's almost like a negative because it's like, it's an unhealthy obsession. Oh, yeah. Which is, I think, what we have. Yeah. Unhealthy obsessions. It depends on who you ask, but there's a select group of people in this world who are willing to harness their unhealthy obsession into a new career. I find that society wants people to move away from their obsessions. Maybe it's because of fear or stigma or because they aren't actually healthy. But George is finding a lane for himself with his tinkering hands. And if this drove the people around him crazy, it's only because they didn't understand him. But he found a way to make it work for him. Sometimes people will tell you that your obsessions don't make sense, that they aren't logical. But imagine what you need to fill that space with if you didn't lean into what actually makes your brain tick. So I went to Parsons in Mm -hmm. in New York. Um, and I studied there as a photographer in design, and for me that was my um, that was my kind of stable. Yeah. Um, but then, any time I made money as a photographer, I'd buy photographs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my house is full. And I can tell you the history of each photograph. What uh, you know, so like I can say to you from you know Stieglitz to Sally Mann to why is this? Why is Jesse Bites is this? And blah blah blah. You know, and all of the little things, mm-hmm. and that for me is on everything that I love I go deep I, I, I go deep because yeah. because the thing is I think to myself is if you don't go deep then you're having it just to show off mm-hmm. and for me then it's like what's yeah. what's the point why if you want something and understand it right. then you kind of go you know it's like my my thing that some people and I'm sure some of uh, some of uh, some of the listeners will be or or viewers will be shocked but I every time I get a pair of trainers uh-huh. I beat the shit out of them I really wear them yeah. I don't care you know mm-hmm. they're limited edition whatever but they're mine so they're mine they're not me to kind of go hey yeah. you know I, I, like these ones are even scuffed up and mm-hmm. they're not mint box fresh right. and that's how I kind of see things is uh-huh. I, I see it because I, I, I want to absorb it I want to feel it yeah. you know like I put a watch on my wrist and I want to feel how uh-huh. it feels on my wrist right you don't want to just keep it in a, a no. box or I don't want to be like this I don't want to be a show pony about yeah, it I yeah. want to be very much more hey this is something I love and I'm, I absorb it right. it's like when you came in here and tried on that watch straight away yeah. you, you were like you're right yeah you know and and, and, and that's <laughs> why why we put it out you know I want someone to put it on you know I watch on the on the cameras uh-huh. and I'm like yeah I'm pleased that he's done you know yeah, yeah. because you understand that you've had a look around you've, you've gone over there you've seen some of the things and then you've kind of gone yeah okay you're right I, I instinctively just put it on my wrist. Yeah. Kind of. Most people think that's rude, but like no, but, you didn't even ask. But no, but like, I, but that's, you get it. That's yeah. what. That's what I want. Is I want that environment. Right. Um, and similar to the sneaker culture, what a lot of people who get into sneakers first do is they, they get um, accustomed to it. They start buying. They start yeah. collecting. They start observing the differences. And then what some start doing is they start saying, oh, "I want to. I want to write my name on yeah. the side, or like paint the swoosh, or like." Start changing the fabric, right? Yeah. So when did you... You took apart the Breitling, but then when did you say, like, you know what, I want to I alter this now. I want to make it mine somehow. Um, the, 
I think the first one I did, and, I, and I, I'm just trying to remember because I'm more, I'm weird in some of my memory is okay. that I I never I never great at looking back. I always look forward. Me so too. this yeah. this is I'm very you know, bad with the history. so so for me I know that one of my first watches that I customized was something that I never really publicized um, uh, was a Monaco, mm-hmm. um, and the reason why was because I got given it when I won a race somewhere and I can't remember the whole story but okay. I won it and I went I like it but I want to do this this and this mm-hmm. to it and one of them was a black coating um, and because I'd heard about the Dark Lord that was a Monaco that was black with steel um, and I wanted to do that and I wanted it mine there is a Black Lord Monaco you're yeah saying. okay so and I heard about this and I was like oh I got it mm-hmm. so that was kind of and then that that kind of started off could we do it and yeah. then I talked to there's a family we've got a family business behind um, so I'm very lucky there's a family um, family businesses in construction mm-hmm. um, there's yellow diggers on the side of the roads yes um, in America you would say that uh, it's similar to Caterpillar uh-huh. but we're the European version and, of the yeah, uh, construction construction yeah. um, I can actually take you back on that story and then I can talk okay. more about um, my f- when I finished university my father basically said you've got to go and do your own thing on your own dime mm-hmm. so here boom stop you have to go and do it on your own mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I built up because the thing is I could have been in, you know, I could have been in the family business, mm-hmm. um, silver spoon in my mouth and my father didn't want that. Mm-hmm. He didn't want me to be this, um, I don't know. He didn't want me to, he wanted my own two feet. He didn't want me to go into his coattails. Yeah. Um, and you know, that was one of the best things. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was, I was a photographer and I, my hobby business was watches. Yeah. And so doing these customized watches was the hobby business that then became the proper business. Right. And that was the cle- that was the interesting thing was I started with one desk in a shared big office. You know, mm-hmm. one of those kind of we we work we things. work type yeah. thing. But it wasn't. It was yeah. before we were. Uh-huh. And I literally had one desk in a friend's office. Mm-hmm. And I moved to two desks in a friend's office, then a cubicle, and then it, then then I got kicked out and had to go and take my own space to then... So that, you know, I learned how to build a business. I yeah. learned yeah. on my own two feet of what to do. And that was one of the great things is, you know, there was, there was my father that's a highly successful businessman, mm-hmm. and I'm saying that in... In the nicest way, I look up to him and it inspires me. My mother is a very successful businesswoman because she's an organic queen and and her business is very... So I had these two inspiring people that mm-hmm. at the kitchen table were always going, so what's happening in your business? What <laughs> what are you doing? What's... Yeah. So it was that jamais content that was always the never content. And that's what drove me in my business mm-hmm. was this kind of constant question yeah you know even when I went on honeymoon my father went to me and said I was I was three days into my honeymoon and he said I think you're away for too long and I was like I'm working for myself and and he was just like no no I think you're away for too long he said you know you should be back at your business shouldn't uh-huh. you and I was like okay <laughs> but I'm making my own money I'm doing my own holiday Still pushing it was yeah, just yeah. like boom right right you know so that's that's where I would say to you is that that's the backstory of why I had to do what I did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the JCB side, I went, so JCB is the business, I yeah. went to their R&D department okay. and asked them about coatings. Uh-huh. Because um, they do that because they're a construction company. Yeah, so right. they, they understood, um, and so the coating that we first originally did was uh, DLC, diamond-like carbon. Mm-hmm. Now this is kind of like geeky things, but it was used for drills, mm-hmm. and it was used as a non-friction lubrication system. Mm-hmm. Now that for me it. was like, oh Christ, non fridge. Um but it was like a grey black. And yeah. I was like, yeah, boom. I'm gonna You use wanted that. that look. I wanted black, I like yeah. black. But um, it's like a matte black, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the first one wasn't. It was like a grey black and it was kind of it was a washy black. Okay. And then we've tuned it and tuned it and tuned it and tuned it until where we are today is MGTC, military grade titanium coating. So we've actually developed and spent a fortune developing up to that point. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing is we're sitting in 
my building. Mm-hmm. So we brought the building four years ago. Mm-hmm. So this, so if you imagine from one Desk. one chair in a de- <laughs> in, yeah. you know in a shared office to actually becoming my own landlord, it's been kind of a, a wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Um, How many years from the beginning? Fourteen and a half now. Fourteen and a half years. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm kind of old. Uh, yeah. And know, it started out. The business started out as a customization studio. Yeah. And I was kind of um, probably considered the Antichrist. And now, uh, you know, what we were discussing, and this yeah. is why I say to you about looking back and looking forward. Yeah. The looking forward is at the point about two and a half years ago. I got, I, I, I got enough attention or enough. I got someone that I consider one of the gods of the watch world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you the little story and then you'll probably go, oh, I've heard this and I'm bored with it. But there was a friend of mine that was sitting next to the god of the watch world. I consider one of the gods as Jean-Claude Beaver. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine was sitting next to um, him and and, um, and she didn't totally know what to talk to him about. Uh-huh. And she said, well, I've got a good friend in, in Watchworld. And he's like, who? And she said, oh, it's George Bamford from Bamford Watchworld. And he went, oh. And anyway, they phoned me up that night. Yeah. And the next morning, um, so basically she, she phoned me and she said, would you like to see Jean-Claude Beaver? And I went, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, anyway, he got on the phone. He said, um, I'll be over to see you tomorrow. I was like, uh, okay. And he jumped on a plane and came over to see me from Switzerland. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's crazy. And he walked up these stairs. And, yeah. I, and and literally, I was like, my God, a God's arrived into my business. Mm-hmm. And from that day forward, it was that reality of being loved and not loved. Yeah. And the thing is, where I look at it, I'm, I'm loved. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, out, I'm in a place where it is amazing but also where I look at what I described and what you've just said, hearing it the second time, I'm, I'm, I'm elaborating, but I'm, was that Kodak moment. Uh-huh. Um, the watch industry is going to do personalization. Luxury is done personalization. Yeah. And, you know, you look at Nike ID and Bentley, for me, those were the two businesses that I looked up to. Mm-hmm. Nike ID, because I loved that person. That was when I was starting out. I mean, it was like, fuck. I love what Nike ID does. Yeah. I mean, you and I probably, yeah. I've built so many. Yeah. thousands. <laughs> I'm like, literally, I, and, and, and it was originally on Air Force Ones. Uh-huh. And I had stacks of Air Force Ones. And I was like, and that was my kind of wheelhouse was Nike ID. And then Bentley, because I loved the history of Bentley and about bespoke. And, mm-hmm. and when they did all that Mulliner and, and that kind of real yeah. kind of bespoke so it was the collaboration you know if you put those two together my business would have been born yeah yeah and then I realized that luxury it was two and a half years ago luxury started moving into personalization Mm -hmm. where when I started when I call about personalization never goes hand it went never went hand in hand and with with um with luxury yeah and then it started and it did I mean the 1920s 30s everything was bespoke Mm -hmm. You'd go to Louis Vuitton and and you'd say, "I'm going travelling. I need a." And they they would build des- a trunk. Yeah, they yeah. build for that trip. Right. <laughs> and then you know people like Harley Earl came into the situation and said, "Built an obsolescence. You want always to build in the next yes. product, and and it is not kind of like something that you're going to hold on to. Yeah, you're going to just get it, and you're yeah. going to consume it." And it I was think, less about like opulence and more about like let's build something that you functionally yeah. need for this. But I think there was also that thing of like how can we sell every year to you? Yeah, yeah. You know, as a car <laughs> right. manufacturer, how can I? You know, you want the two thousand eighteen nineteen model, not the two thousand eighteen. Yeah, yeah. And that for me was that reality was you know, let's say, I don't know, Model T or back. Mm-hmm. Let's say. You'd hold on to your car because yeah. it was made for you. Uh-huh. It, yeah. You know that, so you'd and have it for like five, ten, or fifteen years. You yeah. would have it as this thing. Right. I mean, you know, I, I looked at some beautiful old Rolls Royces recently, and they were done. One was done for someone, and and he'd had it as a sports back with a such and such with a you know, and inside was his drinks cabinet with his initials round. And you just go, 
and I was like that so and then there was another one where the guy every morning used to go to work and wanted to shave in his, in his thing so he had a, a shaving mirror and wow. and you're just going that is cool or yeah. Rockefeller used to take the boat in uh-huh. and used to have his breakfast on his boat and it was all bespoke done inside yeah and you I think it was Rockefeller or one of those and that, that for me was those kind of and then this as you said um mass production but yeah. also kind of making it that it works for this thing mm-hmm. I think that came in but I think we're now in a place where it's changed yeah yeah and I think that luxury is going and luxury is also embracing mm-hmm. people that are disruptive right you know we just talked about um, Virgil Virgil yeah. I mean you know going in working for LV yeah I mean boom that's a that's amazing but then you know you kind of look at that and you go that's absolutely amazing then you look at I don't know Supreme what yeah. they're doing I mean like that Hiroshi with LV Supreme with LV I mean like literally I had to have them yeah, I don't yeah. know why but in my mind I was like oh my god that's the coolest thing right. and then you know then you've got different things like Gucci Ghost mm-hmm. you know that Someone that right. was so disruptive of it yeah. is now being embraced by it. Yeah. And when Jean-Claude came into my office, and I am getting round to my... I, I know I'm <laughs> ranting and raving. As you said, you're ranting and raving for 10 minutes. But um, as he came into my office, it made me realise that my business needed to shape up. Mm-hmm. And it had to be not in the dark, but in the light. Gotcha. And that's where, you know... Everything is amazing. I mean, this year alone, and I wish I'd brought the watch in, um, this year alone, we launched at Basel a Tag Heuer Monaco carbon fibre case that Tag Heuer had created uh-huh. with Bamford on the dial. I'm now part of the history yes. of Heuer. Legitimately, and ta- yeah. And I'm just like going, uh, the history, and I, I'm part of their, uh-huh. their world. Yeah. I was on the stand announcing with with the the person that literally when he came into my office I was almost bowing to him mm. and we were launching it together and amazing you know and when we launched the collaboration here that was on the Tag Heuer um I didn't know but Jean-Claude came up on my screen here uh-huh. and spoke directly to the press that we were in in my in the room wow and just said about the relationship so what I'm saying is that this embrace has just been amazing. Yeah. There's a saying, don't meet your heroes. Or, meet them and have them fully embrace you and your talents and collaborate with them. If it's easier to draw a parallel from the watch world to custom sneakers, George is basically saying that after years of chopping them up with a knife, he now has his own Air Jordan. It's always great to hear stories in an hour interview, but here's a reminder none of this comes easy. George had worked on his company for over a dozen years and then achieved an unthinkable milestone. I wanted to give George an opportunity here to elaborate on the magnitude of this moment. Can you tell the listeners like who Jean-Claude is? So, Jean- Why is he your god? I would say to you is he has single-handedly... There's been about four or five people that have really geared and changed the industry. Mm-hmm. Um... And the plotted history of Jean-Claude Beaver is, I you know I keep on reading another uh, another great book about him or or articles about what he's done, and you just go, oh, he did that as well, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but he you know he did an amazing thing with Blaupin uh, and re re brought them up to the to the standing where they are mm-hmm. today. He uh, did a great thing within Omega. He was part of Swatch, Swatch guys. He um, he basically made Hublot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of think, and then sold it into LVMH. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's now in charge of Tag Heuer, Zenith, and Hublot. He's he's kind of like the yeah. the guy. So it's almost like if if he only did any one of those things, yeah. it would be an amazing career. Oh, But and it's like, that too, that too, that too. I, yeah. No, but it's just like, you know, when he talks about how he launched this brand, and you're just going... And, and this is what I'm saying, is that I, I'm like, literally like, um, I don't know, I feel like Scooby-Doo or one of those guys <laughs> just going, what? Really? Oh my God, you know, and that's kind of my, my thing, is that he is just... And for him to say, hey, I want to work with you, Yeah. And we should work together. But when you're a mutual friend, 
yeah. said, you know, do you know George Bamford? He knew your work. Knew all about. He was already yeah. following. What already, we were doing. already following everything, doing everything, and I was just like, Isn't oh wow. Nice? <laughs> and and right. just and then when you talk to some of his team, um, it's kind of one of those things that. You know, some of them were looking already at what we were doing yeah, and yeah. saying, "Oh, we like that colorway. We like that." And the other thing, what was quite interesting is, for their design guys, it gives another state, um, a direct customer relationship, yeah. Yeah. where not a dealer to customer. Uh-huh. So that's also quite an interesting thing is to understand what are great colors, what are the great things, mm-hmm. trends, what are, what's Trend. happening. Yeah. But you think about what, what. Jean Claude has done in some ways, like the Houdinki skipper. Mm-hmm. I fell down the stairs trying to get that watch. I got one, thank goodness. But it changed online platform of, of watch selling. Yeah. Omega with their Speedy Tuesday changed the online platform. So everything is now up in the air to grab. Yeah. Because traditionally, watch sales is done through a very old school network, right, of and, dealers. And it's also it's the, like car dealership, like and how Tesla just went like we're going yeah. direct. Yeah, and that, but it's also I don't think I think there's a this direct is kind of it's limited editions, it's the rarity, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the, and I think it's also that collectors market is yeah. what we've just said. I've just forgotten that bloody name again. Otaku. Otaku. Yeah. Um, it's that otaku type yeah, yeah. mind. It's like. People want, they want to collect, they mm-hmm. want something. The other thing I want to say to you is that they're, they're pushing forward on how to interact with their customers. Mm-hmm. And it's not putting out a boring product and saying, here, get in a place where you don't feel luxury. Yeah. And that's what I think was quite amazing is that you look at what these brands are doing, they're doing something different. Mm-hmm. They're Revolutionized. Yeah. You know, Zenith has launched the Defy range mm. by producing a movement and a watch that would never, ever, ever see the light of day. And they've done it to launch another watch. It is so amazing. They did only 10 of them mm-hmm. in an aero, um, an aero aluminium case with a special oscillating um, movement. And they launched that case for their Defy range in this as a limited edition of 10. Mm-hmm. You go, are you? But the Defy <laughs> has literally defied gravity. It, it, you know, talking to everyone at Zenith, they're just like, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I wanted to do some customization on it. And they're like, yeah, two years time, you may be able to get an allocation, George. And um, I'm like, but I'm, I'm, I'm your mate. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're like, look, it's just flying. Uh-huh. And right. that's the great thing is that they've, they're doing things in a different way mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're kind of making that love affair. Yeah. Now, for me, I will also tell you is when, I, when Jean-Claude said we should work together, uh-huh. for me, Zenith and Tag Heuer were part of my history anyway. Mm-hmm. Every weekend, I used to either watch the Formula One with my father or watch Steve McQueen mm-hmm. in either Le Mans or um, or Great Escape, but Le Mans was really, and I used to sit in the crux of his arm, and I used to watch Steve McQueen wearing that Monaco. Yeah. Now, for me, Le Mans is not the best movie, but my father loved it, and I used, and then when I was growing up, I used to always have a photograph of Le Mans uh, with Steve McQueen like this, uh-huh. with that with that Monaco yeah. on his wrist. So for me, that was kind of like I was like taking you back like I was like full yes circle. yes yeah. but I think it's also very interesting how you know for a younger generation like yeah. let's say us we, we're not that young but yeah. we are of a younger generation where you know you can you mean the sneakerheads yeah but like you know communication is quite yeah. easy right you yeah. can drop in on a comment DM yeah. right emails are all there and you would think that with you know this high level person knowing yeah. what you do wanting to meet you there could have been a way where he could have reached out, but it it still takes this old school like yeah. validation of a oh you know him yeah oh can you connect us and yeah. then I'm on a plane the next day, but like all that I just find it funny that like some of these connections still take 
old school introductions yeah. to happen. It doesn't take in, insta stalking, is what everyone yeah. keeps on saying. <laughs> saying is that oh yeah, I'm insta stalking him, and I'm like really. Um, but yeah, you said their team like yeah. looked at what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm I'm saying is they're not the only team that have looked at. You oh know, sure, yeah. Um, this, <laughs> Every the, team is no, but this Christmas. This Christmas this year, oh yeah, Christmas we just had, I had a lot of great clocks and presents from different um, watch brands saying welcome, welcome to the uh, family, and I was just like, not family, yeah, I know. F- to the club, kind of, yeah, you know, like you're. So, so well, I was, let's. I want to go back to the Antichrist world, okay, that that era, <laughs> because there was. Explain why you were seen as the Antichrist just because you were. Doing your own takes I was, on I, watches. I was, I was customizing any watch, mm-hmm. and the thing is, I was doing it because I thought there was a market there, and there was. There was. I, well, you know, as I've just promoted all of the things that have yeah. happened in my, but it wasn't. It wasn't to be the antichrist. It was more because I love these brands. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to have that Nike ID scenario yeah. of personalization. Yeah, it was your homage Every, to them. Yeah, everyone wants personalization. But they didn't see it that way. I'm sure a, a, a loads of brands didn't, or they didn't understand it. But now look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a week ago, but whenever this comes out, you know, bomb, bomb, or B A U M E Bon Marcier. They've just they've just launched their personalization mm-hmm. new product. You know, IWC has just launched personalization. All of these brands are going to be doing personalization. Mm-hmm. So maybe me screaming for fourteen years, or now let's say twelve years, yeah. but fourteen years was my saying personalization personalization you should care about your customer uh-huh. you know for me i have i give with every every watch we have a little motto in it is our customers can get on without us we can't get on without so i i, I have a little thing that's a yeah. business card and says um you can get on without us we can't get on without you mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. and that is very much individual style individual colors individual what you want yeah and that's where i'd applied it to all the brands mm-hmm. and yeah, I'd probably say as I maybe was the Antichrist, but I wouldn't. Say, I, Antichrist is something I've. I, <laughs> I I wouldn't say that. I would just say is that I probably was. I was probably. I look at the past as something that I couldn't be where I am now today. Yeah, but the thing is, where I look at the past is, I did everything with with the standard that mm-hmm. I put my name behind it mm-hmm. you know I didn't come up with cool names I didn't do it so it was my name yeah. so it, it was that thing behind it to say this is me right and and not for the ego sense but it was because you could you can come to me yeah and that and now with the relationship I mean we we have got warranty and servicing by the brands yeah amazing we 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 have parts accounts we have you know everything that's now absorbed mm-hmm. we're now you know my my team have gone off and trained with the brands with zenith brands. with tag zenith uh-huh. and bulgari my right. team of you know so it's like boom 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 yeah yeah so and there was a time if i'm not mistaken where back in your antichrist days mm-hmm. for lack of a better word but if if they were telling customers if you got your watch done by bamford we're not recognizing that under yeah. our warranty program. You can't bring it in for service, so, right? So we, we we look after it. We looked after it. So. You looked after it, yeah. Okay. So um, because of the service yeah. issue. But that says a lot that the brand, were, they were really keeping you out of the, the pearly gates. Yeah. And and the thing is, what I would say to you is, all brands were like that. And the thing is now, when you look at it, it's amazing. Yeah, because you look at what we can. We've got some amazing canvases as well. We've got some. I mean, you know, from the Ortavia to the Monaco to um, the El Primero, um, it was just amazing. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing is that I, um, I'm kind of giving you another note on this. Is I always so we've done the relationship with this brand, and then you'll see this year there were some other things happening mm-hmm. and other other projects and other uh, um, other watches coming on board but the other thing I would say is the Mayfair 
that's the, my my own watch. Mm. Um, this was something I planned on eleven years ago. Mm. Doing your own watch. Doing brand, my, I always wanted. Your own to, brand, yeah. I always wanted to do, and it was like so. That was something, and it was that put up and shut up scenario. Mm-hmm. And last year, um, I had a. Um, it's the best way of describing it. I had a. Um, coming of age scenario um, uh, not coming of age in the way of kind of but I came across a, a family situation mm-hmm. um, and um, it knocked me for six um, and so at that point it made me realise you've got to get on and do stuff mm-hmm. it was a year and a half ago and it was just just before Basel, yeah. Um, uh, before everything was announced, mm-hmm. and so like last year was kind of a, a hectic year because there were so many things going on. Yeah. But it was because of this family situation, mm. and it was it was it was on my side. It was my baby. Something had happened, and literally, and at that point, and I'm I'm kind of giving you my personal side. At that point, it was just so amazing to be embraced, loved. Yeah, and and it was also put up and shut up. Get on and do something, and I and I was like, well, what? You know, I, you always go in your life and you go, what what would I want? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you always go, oh, you know, if if I if I had a bit of money, I'd do this. If I, it, you know, I would buy this if I was doing it. If I, you know, and it's always like you, you go, if if I if if I had a bit of time, I would do this. Yeah. If I if I got embraced by these guys, I'd do this. Right. And it was just like, I don't know. Like, I just went, okay, let's do it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it, it and it it probably came out like, well, you know, <laughs> hey, I want to do all of this. But it was very much this was everything I wanted to do. Yeah. And there was things like, you know, I had my grooming department that was the Bath and Body Range, that was going well. Mm-hmm. So it's like even I open up a store in um, the Royal Exchange in London. Um, that is to do with grooming and it's like bath and body range and, and some accessories and some things like that male dominated yeah. uh, or great gifts for, uh, for for men but it was just yeah I wanted to do that uh-huh. I want to do my own shop I right. want to do I want to do my own watch I want to you know working with Tag Heuer Zenith and Bulgaria I'm like hell yeah, yeah, yeah. is your own watch a subdivision of Zenith Tag or it's your own thing it's my own thing and there's no they didn't see that as like a potential conflict it's in another brand and yeah. and the other thing is just see it as ready to wear gotcha it is totally ready to wear yeah and, you, and, and you, as a fashion got, comparison yeah so let's mean. let's let's you know you've got Nike ID and then what's the one above that you Nike know? Lab Nike Lab right. uh, well, no it's the, the one where you can really do bespoke cash, bespoke yes. so so let's just say uh-huh you know and then you know yeah there's bespoke and then there's yeah. ID so yeah. okay. you know so just see you know for me it's like getting a tailored suit and and getting getting a um a regular suit uh-huh uh-huh that's kind of where i see the two brands okay um and i think I think one needs the other and the other needs the other. I mm-hmm. think there's two sides to this coin. Right. This Also, this doesn't sit on the Bamford watch department. It sits under something called Bamford London. That's my own. It's another brand. Okay. But you probably aren't really thinking there's a personalization angle to Bamford, right? It's, no. it's the ready-to-wear. It's the ready-to-wear. Right, gotcha. And that's kind of where I see it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you need... I think in this world, I think there's two sides to it. Yeah, and, yeah. And... And I think to myself is also price points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the right price point yeah. for what we're doing. Um, I I don't know. It's probably quite ballsy for me to go. Yeah, I'm going to do all of this in one year. But I think I'd been hankering for everything. Uh huh. Yeah. And in, in and I was also I felt that things needed a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Running a business is hard enough. There are so many things that could go wrong inside of that bubble. But you know what? Life still happens. And sometimes something personal happens that knocks you off the course. This is where it gets really challenging. But personal issues actually can spawn greater drive and greater results. So pause, slow down, and refocus. And just like George did, keep pushing forward. Did you feel like when you were customizing watches before 
were you, like, people might have thought it's not authentic to buy a Rolex and then have it be customized by Bamford, but it sounds like you were thinking it's an authentic Bamford. I think any brand that I was looking at, I I always thought it was kind of, we were doing the best that we, and, it, you know, had a Bamford on it, you know, the warranty and servicing was ours. Mm-hmm. Um, did I, you feel like a, like I d- a I, rebel? I, I did feel, I've, I, you know, everyone, when I signed these things, the question everyone asked is, are you still going to be a punk? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, what? And they said, it's exactly like the punk movement. And yeah. I was just like... Oh. You didn't feel that way, though, while you were doing it? Never, but I did feel in the shade, and now I feel in the sun. Yeah. And so... I think in every market you have to move mm-hmm. and I just felt that it it needed to move anyway. Yeah. And I think that what we're doing now is just it's killer. It's have worked. you been has Bamford been profitable since the very beginning? Or did you have to like take on any debt or like cuz it's it, just to explain the business to someone who isn't familiar with like when someone wanted a watch customized by you, they had to buy the watch first, right? Yeah. So, but what I would say now, now you, you now buy no, it, no, no, but it. back then. But what I would say to you is, I've always worked with how to grow the business sustainable. Yeah, financially, financially sustainable. Yeah. sustainable. There is no, I don't fund it. Mm-hmm. It's not funded by family. It's all done by myself. It's a self-sustaining it business. Has to be yeah. because otherwise it's. It's a joke. <laughs> well, otherwise yeah. it's vanity, and, and yeah. for me, I have vanity versus sanity, and everything has to be sanity. Mm-hmm. But there may be a little bit of vanity there when I go, hey, you know, there may be a project I do mm-hmm. where I go, the marketing potential is more than than yeah, you know, a loss leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah. you know, if I do some of these some limited editions, we don't make any money on a limited edition, but. I love it because I want to do it. Yeah, and it's a, it becomes a marketing piece. It, yeah, but it's also something that I want. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the vanity side. But your name is the name of the company, yeah. so it makes sense. No, but, you know, there's things like... I, I'm just trying to think of some of the projects. Um, but I, I, I'm... What's... I can't... There's one or two projects coming out. Yeah. That... One of them that I told you about... Uh-huh. Um, that... I don't know if it's going to make money. Uh-huh. We're doing very limited edition, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. The packaging alone, the stickers, the whole thing. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know if I, if, if I even clear anything, I'd probably lose a little bit. But I want the bloody watch myself. So, I, I, so for me, it's just like, <laughs> boom, I want that. Yeah. So I'm just like, I, and that's the vanity side. Mm-hmm. Is, but I also know that a lot of my customers... Yeah. I hope we'll like it as much as I do. But also, I think that it's the collectible nature and it's something that you go, I want it. Yeah. I want something that is kind of crazy and cool and something that people go, you know. And it's also, I, I wouldn't say publicity-wise, because I think to myself is, it's not, it's, it's, I always think if, if I want to steal it, then it's something that I've got to buy. <laughs> And it's the same with sneakers or anything. You know, if you walk into a shop and you go, or if I see it on someone's wrist, mm-hmm. or if I see a pair of trainers, I mean, I just saw a pair of Nikes recently on someone's, on someone's shoes, uh, and, and I was at supper and I was like, I fucking love those. And literally straight after, I was on every everything from Foot Patrol yeah. to Fight Club to everyone right. trying to find Fine. those fucking sneakers. Yeah. I was like, why? Because I wanted to steal them. I wanted them... Yeah. And that, that for me, I think is the the reason why I do some of the things is because right. I go, I want it. So yeah. if I want it, hopefully there's not uh, people as nuts as me right. that want it and go, yeah, I want that. Yeah. And then if it's on someone else's wrist and you go, I want to steal it. Right. It's that's, kind of like that's the goal. You know, like the Hiroshi watch yeah. that we we did the fragment watch um, earlier this year, and that sold out within. I can't remember if it was. Half an hour now, or uh, something. And that was a Zenith. That was a Zenith. Yeah. El Primero, beautiful dial, black with a white ring, sold out within literally like, you blink and it sold out. Uh-huh. 
I went over to Japan thinking I was going to be there for a while doing some sales and blah, blah. Now that is also, Hiroshi is amazing and it's amazing working with Fragment Design, but it was also, it was a great platform. The watch was beautiful. The, we'd launched it only through Dover Street. Yeah. Um, but it sold out in a heartbeat. And to the point where I got a few people within the big group of the of the brands saying, I want one. Right. And we're like... <laughs> See, well, that's where vanity turns into, like, sanity. Yeah. It, it's and, like, oh, and, that, you're a genius for it, doing that. Well, but it, well, it was just like, Hiroshi and I were, like, talking. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. why don't we do it? And yeah, then yeah. it was like, boom, we need to do it. So yeah. it was kind of a... Um, so what's next for the Bamford brand, the Mayfair? Is there an evolution of that? Are you going to expand on that? Do you want that to be as big as a Zenith Group brand? Like, uh, Or do you want to keep it very niche and one model at a time I, at the moment I'm I tell you someone asked me what am I doing this year and I said um, I'm trying to breathe yeah uh, <laughs> after last year um, but uh, I don't know at the moment okay. you know I, I have a plan yeah but I, I I asked someone at this thing recently I said what what do you want out of your business and he said if I really put that plan ahead of me I probably would never be where I am today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he was a big shipping guy. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, had huge warehouses doing um, logistics for, yeah. like, Amazon and things like that. And I, I said to him, oh, okay. Yeah. And he said, you know, I did everything one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And and he said, sometimes I took two or three mighty leaps. Yeah, right. And sometimes I, I, I couldn't get that thing, but I got something else. And so for me, that's yeah. that's where I'd say to you is it's it's firming up what we're doing. It's getting for me on the tag where the zenith, and the bull firming up, getting that that thing where everything is singing at one hundred percent. Mayfair for me is something that I love. I love it because it's it is my beat around holiday watch, and that's where I see it. Is mm-hmm. it is one of those that you just bung on and you would go, who cares. You it's know, like, it's like the bang. zip hoodie. Yeah, that that's yeah. Right. But there is different zip hoodies. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, you could go to Lestrange, that's a beautiful top top notch, mm-hmm. or you can go, you know, simple whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you know, even a, I don't know, Primark or whatever. You can have a a, a cheap. And that's what I love is those, you know, this is for me is that beat around enjoyable. Yeah. Watch that, and it's a watch that I want, mm-hmm. and I I did. Last year, we did a very small capsule collection, and it sold out very well. So it's kind of like this year we're doing a few packs, so we're delivering different color packs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you often hear from business leaders, like traditional school business, yeah. like have your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. Know where you're going to be in five years. But you're hearing different, and you're actually like reacting different. I'm, I'm of the same mindset. Like I've never written a, a business plan long-term. For me, it's about pivoting. Mm-hmm. I think that, look, it takes us six weeks to turn around a customer's mm-hmm. design. Yeah. Six weeks. And if I can do it, and I'm pushing at the moment, we can do it in four. Mm-hmm. And you're not hearing that first. I, I keep on trying to push for four. Sometimes we can do it in four, sometimes. But we're doing personalization within six weeks. Yeah. So how do I then go to you and say, my five-year plan is <laughs> we're going to be producing a green and a yellow and a this and a that, yeah. and then we're going to do this for the subtitles. I mean, like... Every single day is a different day. I mean, like, I look at my design team downstairs, and I'm like, wow, that's a great design. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's for that customer. I'm like, awesome. And then they go, and then the next day is another design. I'm like, (laughs) wow, that's cool. And it's just like, it's the things that you just go. Imagine you had to be like, that's not part of the five-year plan. No, 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 we can't do that in the five-year plan. (laughs) That that color is not coming in until until year four or something. And you're like going, well, yeah, you've got to pivot. You've Mm got, and the thing is, I think, we're light enough as a team. Yeah. You know, my team, I, I keep a very... we You know, there's 20 in our team, so it's a, it's a tight team. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many is in your team? Uh, 15. 15. So yeah. what I mean is, you're light on your feet. You, yeah. can, you can go, hey, we want to do this. Mm-hmm. Hey, we want to do that. Yeah. And... I already find it to be more than enough people. No, <laughs> I, I'm, no, but, you know, 
I, I like Hiroshi's team. Yeah, uh, too. <laughs> well, yeah, but that Hiroshi is just. I mean, I, I, I'd love to. I'd like, uh, no, don't say that to my team. Um, but I would also love that. You know, I take out the garbage. Uh huh. You know, um, we had a big flood here, and and I was suited and booted on the day, and I had my arm deep in a, a drain, pulling out stuff out of a drain, and. You know, and I'm not saying this is my violin of like, oh, I do everything in the team. I don't, but I like that everyone in this team mucks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's from answering the door. Mm-hmm. All of us answer the door at different points. Yeah. You know, there's no. It's very much, and that's where I think in a team you've got to be that way. Right. You know, I'm sure in your team it's very much like, yeah. hey, yeah, you know, yeah. I, you everyone know, from from it. marketing manager to. To dog's body to a cleaner. That's uh-huh. what I am. Yeah, I'm yeah. like literally from, you know, I don't know. I, I and it's kind of someone said, "What's your title?" And I said, um, "I don't know." Yeah, it's it's me. Yeah, that's my title. It's right. it's hey, I'm I, you know, <laughs> I haven't even got founder or anything else because I'm just like, you everything. Know, founder is kind of like yeah, you found me. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode with George Bamford. You can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I personally use Overcast. And leave a comment. Tell us what you think of the show. You can also reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. And check us out on the web at businessofhype.com. You can also email any questions you might have to questions at businessofhype.com. And this is the time where we reach into the mailbag. Dan, do we have any questions this week? Yeah, Jeff, this one comes from Noel Bronson. Hey, Jeff, hope all is well. This question is regarding bank accounts and parent companies of sorts and how many I should have. Over the past few years, I have operated my own clothing line, which has its own business account apart from my personal. A few months ago, I created a new corporation for my freelancing design and consulting work, which also has a separate business account from the clothing line. Now, here's my question. I'm having early thoughts of launching a few passion projects. I figured I would just file for the trademarks and run the finances via the corporation already in use for my freelancing. Would you advise this or should each and every business be separated? Thanks. Hey, Noel, thanks for the question. And I love this question because I'm an absolute freakazoid when it comes to bank accounts. Um, first of all, it's really good that you have a personal bank account as well as a business bank account. I know a lot of startups and business owners just tend to have one account and they start to just let everything fly in and out of this one account. And what happens is from an accounting standpoint at the end of the year, when it's time to do your expenses and taxes, it then becomes this giant knot that you have to untangle with you or a bookkeeper that you have to pay. But regardless, it becomes a headache at the end of the year. So I like to have my personal account with my personal credit card and my personal debit card in in one slot. And then in another slot, I have all my business related checking, credit card and debit cards as well. So that whenever I'm out and I'm making a purchase, I can consciously know which card to use, which account to use. Now, you're talking about adding multiple business accounts, which I think is a great idea. And in fact, I do the same exact thing. I have a design studio. I have a clothing line. um, I have a retail store and all of those have separate accounts. Now, when you're starting out a new venture, I think what you should do is because there is some fees, although they're not really that expensive, but there are some nominal fees associated with opening new accounts. So you don't want to open a new account for every whim of an idea that you have. You probably want to start it off within an existing account. I think the good time to open a new account is when uh, income and outcome starts to become a significant thing. When that starts to happen, when you start spending a lot for this new venture or ideally making a lot from this new venture, that's when it's time to open an account. But prior to that, you're going to have to manually keep track of which expenses and incomes relate to that new business. Uh, and until that happens, it probably just makes sense to just do it within an existing account. So that'd be my advice. But um, again, I love sort of just um, separating out the expenses and income so that you can keep track of it. And some banks, I know my bank, which is Bank of America, um, they do this. I can keep the same bank account number and actually subdivide within. So I can have like two to three 
sort of like categories within. And when I log into my online banking, I can see, you know, it's it's one account, but there's like sort of two chapters in it. And you can um, decide where to deposit things and where to uh, take things out. Um, sometimes that might be like subdivided into a savings account and a checking account within the same bank account number. So see if your bank offers that service. Um, but if not, like I said, uh, just run it from within until it becomes too much work to, to sort of divide it in your head. I hope that helps. Um, I should also probably, from a legal standpoint, preface that I'm not an accountant or a lawyer. So I just gave you my opinion. Don't take that to heart and don't sue me when shit hits the fan. All right. Thanks for the question. Again, if you have questions, hit us up, questions at businessofhype.com, and we'll try to get them answered over the air. Thanks. The Business of Hype is directed by Daniel Novetta. It's edited and produced by Bright Young Things. You can check them out at byt.nyc. Engineering is by David Rogers Berry. And we're looking for interns at The Business of Hype. So if you're interested, give us a shout. We hope to see you in the recording studio one day. This was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio and on location at the Bamford headquarters in Mayfair, London. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio. Hype Beast Radio.